Do Check This Out, a music podcast, is sponsored by Bald Birds Brewing Company, serving great beer in Audubon, PA, since 2018. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening to Do Check This Out, a music podcast. I just wanted to make a quick announcement before Rob gets on with the interview. Since recording this episode, our guest, Zach Lepresti, just recently had two guitars stolen out of his car near Front Street and Girard in Philadelphia. One is a Mint Burst 2008 Parker Fly Deluxe, the other a brand new one-of-a-kind handmade Laudo. If you have any information, you can hit up Zach on Facebook or send us an email here at hambonerelay at gmail.com. The rim rim shot. (laughs) Yeah, that when the when you go to a a room and all you get is the overhead mic, that's all they want is just give me a rim shot and a good crash with the bass drum, and then we're done here. Welcome to Do Check This Out, episode number 10. That's right, we waited 10 episodes. If you want to listen to previous nine episodes, you can go to uh, iTunes and go look up Dude Check This Out, a music podcast. Like always, we're uh, Hambone Relay. We host this podcast. My name is Rob. I'm the drummer of Hambone Relay, and I interview the folks. And on the computers is Mark Brown. Hey. And he does a couple <laughs> little spits in there, here and there. And uh, we just love doing this. We love bringing... Great musicians in. We love talking about all sorts of we, well, if genres, styles, whatever you want to call them. But here's the thing. We can't hit all sorts of genres on this podcast. We only have a limited amount of time. So if there, you feel like there's something that we could talk about or there's somebody we should interview, please inter- or, uh, email us at dudecheckthisoutmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Stupid long email name, but you'll get it. It's fine. Dude, check this out. Music podcast. Today is actually the first day that we are sponsored by... Bald Birds Brewing Company. I just want to show you these amazing cans real fast. These guys are great. These are um, some amazing beers, and we are starting to uh, collaborate with them. And uh, we're going to maybe do some events over at Bald Birds Brewing Company. If you want to check out some beer, go to their website, or maybe go out to uh, Audubon, PA, where they're located. And hopefully in the future, we'll have a uh, show over at their, uh, their brewing room. But today, we have the great privilege of having a man of many, many, many talents He's a musician, he's a teacher, he's an amazing human being. In the studio, we got Mr. Zach Lepresti. How are you, buddy? I'm good, Rob. How are you? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. We're, honestly, I'm actually, um, I didn't tell you this before, is that I'm actually honored you're here because uh, you inspire me. Uh, you know, you're friends on, with so many people on like social medias and things like that, but you put out these videos that are just like people drop their jaws at you. Like, it's you practicing like certain songs and things like that, but... It's always inspiring to see like the behind the scenes. Like this is not totally together, but you put it out anyway. Yeah. And is is that something intentional that you do to kind of force yourself or? Um. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. I guess it's. I mean, to me, it it seems. It seems important to show kind of the full process. I guess like like doing the kind of music that I that I'm interested in in playing and interested in getting out there. Uh, I think it's rather than just showing like super polished finished uh things like you know where I've where I've done a million takes of a thing and it sounds perfect I like showing when I'm just like kind of working on something too and there's some flubs cuz it's it's human and cuz 
it's like what you know no one's no one can do anything perfectly so i don't Absolutely know not even the guys that say they're perfect have like a thousand different overdubs on those takes and like on recordings and stuff. sure forget about it but yeah. I, I find that very honest and very like you said human and it's it's awesome to see and like i i have a hard time you know personally like putting out some of those videos because like ah, that's not great and, yeah, and, no, I mean, and I, sh- I struggle with it too, but yeah. I just like, I, I guess like sometimes I don't, you know, I don't like necessarily, I'll just be like sitting there practicing something and I'll be like, all right, I'm deciding to turn the camera on. And that usually kind of like puts me into a hyper-focused mode for the, for however long it takes me to like feel good about it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a, that's like a catalyst that's fuel for, for practicing and getting something down. Oh, that's interesting. So you're almost forcing yourself to be like, all right, I'm really on. I'm no longer just by myself. I need to actually be fully present in what I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I, you know, I'll do a lot of those like in between lessons or something. So it's like, all right, I have 15 minutes, you know, what can I do? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. You like pick a musician or a song that, that you're checking out and just try to learn a riff or something like that. Or yeah. Yeah. Or, stuff. or if I'm just screwing around, like, like behind the drum kit or on the guitar, just whatever it happens to be. I mean, obviously it's not always like that. And sometimes it is like a more, planned out like okay i'm gonna record the solo to x song and i'm going to do it until it sounds really good and it might take me an hour and a half you know i definitely put stuff out like that too but oh yeah for sure nothing nothing's just here we're this is how i am naturally first take like mm-hmm. not all the time but yeah but since you mentioned it you are you are a really great musician a guitar player a drummer i haven't seen you play bass but i assume it's good but zach is in so many bands i'm gonna try to name some <laughs> uh, out of the beard space, hungry ghost, uh, which we're going to talk about. Narbot, which we'll definitely talk about. Nick Greeley and the operators, and uh, a band that was named as of a few months ago, Tiger Goods. Uh, okay, so two notes. One, Give me two notes. Okay, uh, one uh, hungry ghost is now called Deep Creature. And oh, okay. We've changed that. That's a project that kind of, without talking about it, without getting deeply into it, it's basically. We, me and Sam, the uh, keyboard player and out of the beard space, kind of started it years ago as a duo, and we've changed the name maybe once every like twelve to fifteen months since we started. <laughs> so this is its fourth name. It started as Hollander Krauss Duo, then it was Mind Boys, then it, <laughs> <laughs> then it was then it was Hungry Ghost, and now it's Deep Creature. And uh, yeah, well, so well, here I was going to actually ask Hungry Ghost um, is is something when I was researching the name. It, it had like a different connotation. It was a, um, uh, a a concept in Chinese Buddhism. Is that something where you got that from? Or N- well, okay, so no, not really. It's actually it's a term that I mean it's a it's a name that Sam came up with, the other guy, and uh, he I think mostly was drawn to it because it's the title of a song by Meliana, if you're familiar, which I'm is not. A, it's a duo. Um, Brad Meldow, piano player. Oh, and wait. we did talk about this with Trap Rabbit. Okay. Okay, uh, Brad Meldow and, uh, and um, Mark Giuliano. Giuliano, yeah. yeah, yeah. So and that that you know they they only put out one record, but it was something that really really inspired Sam and I early on. And they have a song called "Hungry Ghost." So I think he was like that, and like also like uh, like oh like you know it's like the Pac Man thing or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And then actually later when he learned of the Buddhist correlation and what that actually means, which is basically it's. From my understanding, it's like a soul that can't ever get its fill. It's like it's almost like the epitome of greed in a certain way. Um, 
and indulgence. He when he learned what that like I already kind of I was aware of that at least like lightly. Mm-hmm. When he became aware of that, he was like, "Oh, we should change it." I don't, I don't, I don't know if I like that. And and you know, so I don't, I don't like don't. this connotation. Yeah. So he's like, "All right, we'll do deep creature." Or is that from anything? Or not is that really? Just, just it's like I don't know. No, not really. Something that you came up with just something in the beard space. Yeah, sure. <laughs> that name has more of a actual thing behind it. What's but. the thing? Behind the name out like, of the beard space? Well, I, I know a little bit from a couple of interviews I read, but tell me the story if you don't mind. Uh, well, as you might have guessed now, even just from this last couple of minutes of conversation, me and my friends like to come up with a lot of like terms and stuff. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm anyone who's good friends with me, like I, I'm constantly sending kind of nonsense terms to, to people. And I, I'll describe things to my students. It Like I'll use metaphors that in a certain sense don't don't make sense like I'll, like all right i'll be like hey you sound like mashed potatoes on the guitar right there and it's like what does that mean well it's like well if you think about it like you sound mushy and like sloppy and like a little too buttery for this part you know that that might be what i mean by that so i don't know but that said one of the, one of the terms like over a decade ago that we were throwing around a lot that a friend of ours named eric came up with was the beard space and the beard space is where you are when you're uh, you're developing your ideas, you're you know you're writing up your br- blueprints, you're writing your song, you're dreaming up whatever it is, and you're you're stroking your beard. You know, <laughs> you're in the beard space. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the beard space. And actually, I'm pretty sure our our actual so so there's the beard space, and then there's the meat space, which is like physical reality, like you can touch it. It's meat. So mm-hmm. the first, I think, the first performance we ever had, which was in my backyard. Um, we went by, uh, into the meats or, or I think we just went by meat space. I think I'm pretty sure I have like a recording, an old recording from like, I don't even know the late two thousands of, uh, of us as just like meat space live. Um, but then we were like, that's really kind of fucking weird. So, so <laughs> we, we changed it to out of the beard space because that's like, we always refer to, um, kind of realizing our compositions as bringing them out of the beard space. You know? Into the meat space. Into the meat space, out of the beard space, yeah. I had it written down, and now I can't find it on my, uh, my notes here. Uh, you had it, it was, it was one, of the, one of your, uh, the players' names, and then the meat space, and I can't find it on my notes. It doesn't matter. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but I love this story, and it, it's actually, it's kind of cool. You know, you take this idea, and you bring it into, into physical reality. Yeah. And... I and, like that. Yeah, and that, again, that's like we refer to a lot of things as uh, bringing bringing things out, like bringing ideas out or bringing songs out. You know, that's that's just like our terminology it has been since we were, I don't know, late teens. I mean, you guys have been playing together, yeah. Since you both, all of you guys went to the School of Rock, the Paul Green School of Rock, right? We did. Yeah. How old were you all at that point? Um, I joined, I was 15, Sam would have been probably 16, but had just turned 16. The youngest members were, were 12 because they were three years behind me. Wow. So, but we didn't form the band immediately. So when I, when I joined, I, when I joined, there was already a little bit of a culture there and a lot of these guys were friends and there was, there's even a bigger, there's like a good amount of musicians that I still, that are still active in the area. Like, you know, Mike Reisman, who's yeah. in Soraya now. He was he was in a band with Sam called Stone Temple Pilots. Or, <laughs> oh my god! I was like, Holy shit! Dude, that's no, no, pretty no. Awesome. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Stone Mountain Terror. 
The other band was better. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. So there was that. Um, three of the Beard Space guys, Ethan, Kevin, and Jeremy, uh, they were in a band with Narbot's guitar, other guitar player, Zach okay. Smith, called um, Dynamic Monotone. Okay. Um, you Do you know uh, Steve uh, Yenatoni? He's good friends with Kat. That's how I know. Not off the top her. of my head. I don't okay. think so. Um, he was in Sonder. Yeah. Remember oh, that band? yeah, Steve. Yeah. Okay. Stevie. Um, curly hair. It's curly guy. hair. He yeah. played bass and drums. Yeah. He's awesome. Yes. So he he was he was around at the school of rock back then. Uh, yeah. So there was a there was a lot of us, and there was there were already like bands formed and stuff. And I kind of came, and I was just like this shred kid who like wanted to be a part of everything kind of instantly like i was like like you know i'm i i made friends with people and you know i kind of wanted to to be a part of anyone's band um i didn't immediately i had a weird metal project with mike reisman and zach smith and some other people but um eventually i joined the band sex office they're still playing we're actually doing a festival with them soon yeah yeah so, um, and Zach Smith is now on Sex Office. Awesome. But but I joined Sex Office, and it was me and two other guys, and uh, who weren't School of Rock affiliated. Right. And uh, and then we brought on Jeremy, and eventually Kevin, and then eventually Ethan to to fill out the live band. And then uh, I'm I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but. No, yeah. it's okay. It's kind of amazing that it was like a bunch of different bands and you all kind of picked one another and then you all formed this, not a super group, but like you almost joined a couple different bands at the same, like all something, together. Yeah, something like that. It was a weird congealing of, of a bunch of different players. When it started, it was actually nine people and it included the two original founders of Sex Office, Jesus. one of whom is still in the band, Nick Laria, and then the other one is this guy, Eric Manganero, who coined the term Beard Space and, and Zach Smith. So originally there were nine people in Beard Space, but kind of... Within about a year or two, kind of the the core six of us kind of was solidified. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What was the metal band that you were in before? Oh. What was that like? Was it just like a little trial and error sort of thing? Like yeah, we basement? played we played three gigs ever. We <laughs> we had two songs that we did mostly like Metallica and like Ozzy covers and shit like that. Well, I learned that you are actually a Metallica aficionado. You know every single Metallica song ever written. Is something, that is, something like that? Something I don't know. Close to that. I did. I did at one point. I did, at least the first four albums or five albums. I, that's it's kind of how I got my start teaching uh, when I was in high school. Just like I became known as that kid who could play any of the Metallica songs. And when I was a senior, younger kids were like, "I want to learn Metallica songs." I was like, "All right, I guess if you pay me, I'll teach you them." <laughs> so it was almost by proxy. You're just like, "I guess I'm a teacher now." Yeah. So here we, yeah. Here I we can. Go. Te- and and like I, you know, I knew basic enough. I I knew enough to like to take a beginner and give them stuff to do. You yeah. know. And then, you know, at the end of my days at rock school, when I was like 18, I stayed I stayed a little bit even into being 19 years old because I was doing the all-star program and we were doing really cool shit like uh, playing a festival in Germany that was a, like a Frank Zappa uh, tribute festival called Zappa Now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. Um, we, we were doing all kinds of stuff. And so. you were on tour with the, the gentleman from Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. John that, Anderson. That, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was that was when I first joined. That was when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Um, but yeah, when I was like, whatever. My last couple of years at rock school, if if a teacher didn't show up or something, or they needed a, a sub in a pinch, 
they would just like be like, all right, Zach, you're in, <laughs> you know, like go teach. And they would, you know, they would pay me like an employee, even though I was a student. In the mindset, were you in a mindset of a student just like, I guess I'll just handle this? Or yeah. what was it? Were you able to flip that switch pretty pretty easily? Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, I always kind of tried to be really on top of things. So like if I was in a show, especially the, the first show I was in was a Metallica show, for instance. So like at that, that <laughs> point luck. in time, at that point in time, I did know all the songs and I always made a point to, I, I, and you know, that's when I was 15. So I was probably much more of an asshole about it, but I tried to make sure everyone was playing the right parts. And I tried to kind of lead things even when I was a student and I butted heads with teachers, especially, especially uh, when I was on all stars, I butted heads with Paul Green decent amount and at at the cherry hill school of rock i would butt heads with teachers but it was natural for me to just like be aware of uh like if i was on a song i tried to make sure i knew every single part like on on all the instruments even if i couldn't necessarily play them all like i knew like i knew if the keyboard player was doing the wrong thing not that i could necessarily play the right thing but i would know what it was and i could direct you know Mm -hmm. and I was always very motivated to like take on hard material and to like get my peers to do it with me. Like, come on, let's let's do this ridiculous song. You know, let's let's tell the person running the show to put this ridiculous song in the show and then let's fucking crush it. Right. You know? And then, you know. So you were a good motivator even back then, uh, pushing other musicians to be better than they were and like also be, yeah. being hounding them if they didn't know the parts. Yeah, I was definitely trying to be, and like I definitely was also like surrounded by people who were very talented in their own rights and motivating me in their own ways too. So, but but yeah, I I tried. To, it was natural. I like even when I was a student at rock school, I there were times where I wanted to almost like take over the shows from certain teachers because I was like, you're you don't care about this as much as I do at the moment, right. and. Uh, the show is suffering and it would be better if someone who cared more was doing it, mm. you know? I'm sure some teachers did not take that uh, lightly. No. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, I'm getting paid for this kid. Get off of my uh, my paycheck. Like, yeah. Yikes. But so even that first Metallica show, you knew all the parts of the music anyway. Right. It wasn't like you were working hard every night making sure you knew each piano part in each one of these albums. You already knew it and you were directing things even back then. When you're, how old were you? The Metallica show for fifteen. Okay, so you were developing good leadership skills even back then. Yeah, I was. I was trying to for sure. Do you find that from that moment on, you kind of developed, turned, kind of just blossomed into that role, or you knew that you would kind of do that sort of thing as you grew older? It. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I feel like both questions are kind of could be one and the same. Right. I blossomed into it, but I did kind of have a. Like I, it felt natural as it was happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, yeah. Because with most of the bands that you're in now, I want, I'm not saying you're leaders of all these bands, but I know that just through talk and the, the the through everybody, I know that you're like a main voice in Beard Space and with Narbot. You're one of the main writers of Narbot, right? It's it's pretty it's pretty collaborative, honestly. Pers- probably the person who has who's who has the most compositions that we actually perform at the moment would be Rodrigo. Really? Yeah, um, but I mean, we all, we all write. I've written I've written a good amount of songs for the band. That our drummer Chris, the, I don't know if you saw, but we put a video out yesterday with Minel, mm-hmm. and uh, Chris, that was a comp- like yeah, that was a composition of our drummer Chris's. We kind of made it a point when we went out to Nashville to do that. We we had we were given the opportunity to record four songs, so we did one song by each member. Okay. Yeah. So are they? Well, I saw the video first. Mm-hmm. 
effing amazing. We're going to cue that song right here for the video, people. Chris is an animal. Yeah. He's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, well, it, I was watching the video. It wasn't even during like, a, it wasn't the solo part yet. It's like the first half of the song. He's playing like intricate stuff just under everybody, but it's so subtle. You wouldn't notice unless you were looking right at him. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you guys do like a little duet thing. Yeah. Which was nuts because I lost time. It's just like this giant creativity. You, you lose yourself in it. 
When you were recording that, was that kind of like the intention? Of like, that section? Like, like when you were writing it, was that kind of the idea? That like when you guys would be playing with each other? In that section of the yeah, song? Yeah, in that section of the tune. Yeah, right? yeah. And again, this is Chris's composition entirely. Yeah. Um, um, and yes, that was his, he wanted to. So, so during that part, if we get a little, whatever music nerdy, he's, Dive he's, in. he's playing over, he's playing over the rhythmic figure of a part that is, that, that we, that we all play together previously, which is three big groupings of five and then, and then a grouping of four. So it's like one, two, three, four, five, two, mm-hmm. three, and then, and then a four. Um, and he wanted to, at first his, initially he was just like, I just want to do a solo there because like it's a, it's a minor video. Like that's the kind of thing they want. And then he was like, actually I want to do, I want to solo by myself for one or two rounds, but then I want you to come in and just to, for us to like, like be like aliens battling in space and just fucking go at each other. That's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that kind of style for me is inspired by like like I'm hugely influenced by Mahavishnu Orchestra mm-hmm. and uh and that, you know, th- that that style of going back and forth is a classic thing that John McLaughlin and Billy Cobham would do. Mm-hmm. Um and just like you know, I don't know. That's always how I felt. Like, you know, I would hear them play, and it's like these guys are like superhumans, just like going at it. And that's what me and Chris were definitely going for there. Um, so, yeah, but it was intentional to just like for it to be that that section of the song is the only completely improvised section. Everything else, Everything every else every other every other note is composed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gents. We'll we'll list it in the uh, the details, but go check out that video. It's awesome. And there's also a couple other videos you guys have done with like Sun Labs. Yeah. And um, uh, there was another video I saw, and I'm blanking on where you guys did it, but it. Go check out their YouTube page. Is it just Narbot slash Narbot? Yeah, it might be like Narbot official or Narbot I'm sure band. If you Google but, it; it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But you mentioned metal music, and you mentioned we talked about Metallica. But yeah, so when you first started, I was reading an interview online uh, uh, called "You Don't Know Jersey." That's the name of the site, okay. and you did this interview a while back. But yes. you, you talk a lot about your dad, and you and, <laughs> uh, you talk about Weird. your dad. Well, no, I mean, like you, your parents both played, right? Yes. Okay, and your dad actually was like you did your research. Uh, yeah, I did. Like, <laughs> why don't people research? So, but your dad was like a heavy musician. He was playing. He was in like a like a couple big bands that almost broke, right? Yeah. What was the what was the big band that he was in that maybe people would know or I could tag? Saints in Hell. Well, I, I don't know if they, they don't have any social media presence. Anymore. Well, that's fine. Uh, uh, what we usually do is we make Spotify playlists for each artist for each one of these episodes. So I put the music in the playlist. So like if you name some of the artists, I can actually go in and put them on the playlist. Well, I don't. Here. I don't even know if anything is like if anything ever really surfaced. Or what are some bands that your dad were? In, dad was uh, the 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 one that people from like that like. People in my dad's age range who I see meet out at clubs and stuff who randomly go, "You're Kurt Ritchie's son, right?" Saints in Hell, that was the band. Okay, yeah, and that was like a hair metal band. Oh yeah, and they did the whole like 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 it was honestly closer to like Kiss in the makeup, like they did the makeup mm-hmm. and everything. Um, and it was like, yeah, it was. What was the makeup like? like satanic shit kind of thing not <laughs> not 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 like not satanic but like of that of that like of that ilk of nature yeah, okay. yeah yeah that's awesome but so your dad shows you his music when you're like a kid right yeah, yeah i mean some of my earliest memories are like i can 
I have a mixtape of like four, well I had a mixtape of like four or five of his songs that like I just know completely by the heart like I don't even have to like think about how to play them on guitar if you just put a guitar in my hand I could just play them mm-hmm. probably I think <laughs> um, but but they're Let's just test no no they're just like they're just like burned into my memory from hearing them and like I used to you know I used apparently I used to just like run around the living room and just like air guitar to to those songs and was oh, like completely man. into them. Yeah, that's so awesome. How young yeah. were you at this point? No, three. Oh no, shit. Two, three, and that's <laughs> that's that's when I I started playing drums around four. Yeah. Um, actually, my parents tried to start me on guitar when I was three or four, and I didn't take to it apparently. Oh, so drums were first then? Oh yeah, by far. Okay, by a long shot. Like typical pots and pans, or do they get you like a mini, like a little? They got me a little kit? drum kit. There's yeah, there's like videos of me being like a three or four year old, like playing along with Lenny Kravitz's "Are You Gonna Go My Way," yes! which is my favorite song <laughs> at the time. And like I'll like play a little bit, and then I'll like stop and like sing some of it, and then I'll like balance a drumstick in my nose and like on my <laughs> knee, and then I'll like take it, and then I'll like and then I'll like start playing again. <laughs> you should send us that. Song. I should you find. It. Yeah, I, I gotta find. Video. I gotta find that. It's good stuff. Oh, it'll be awesome. But uh but yeah, I I didn't take to guitar and I don't know if I actively thought of it this way, but I've like in my analyzation, in, you know, current in my in a later year analyzation of myself as a young person, I think I was intimidated, honestly. I think that I could never foresee myself playing guitar as well as my dad did, and there was always like, you know, people people who knew my dad were always like, "Oh, your dad was like you know, the greatest guitar player around and all these things. So I think I, in my head was just like, well, I can't do that. You know? Um, and what made you pick it up? I was in seventh grade and I was like trying to form my first band Mm -hmm. and there were other kids my age who were, you know, I was like getting into Metallica and I was getting into Led Zeppelin. I was getting into Nirvana and Rush and, uh, there were kids in my grade who who were into these things too, and we tried to we tried to form a band. We had like three rehearsals ever. There was never one where everyone was there, <laughs> but <laughs> but I made some musical friends, and I like honestly just seeing people my age being able to play like Crazy Train or something like blew my fucking mind. I was just like, you can do that? Wait, you can do that? Wait, give me the guitar. Can you show me how to do that? Oh, and like like twenty minutes later, I can do it too. Like right. you know, like so so I just kind of like in that short time period that like like sparked that like blew the doors off the roof in my mind or something. That was a weird phrase. But, no, no, um, no, no, it was but, perfect because like it made you immediately go, oh, you didn't have to go like break through the fear. It was like, oh, I can do that. Yeah, and and it allowed me to for the first time because like literally I couldn't picture myself playing guitar like like before like I couldn't. I couldn't fathom of the image in my head, but then after that, I could uh, I could see it. Like I could like I used to like imagine myself like on stage at a talent show playing the solo to Enter Sandman. Oh, so <laughs> cute at like a talent show on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, was so, it was just like I was just like I could, I could do that. I could do yeah. that. So um, so when you learned the Enter Sandman solo, were you like just pumped out of your gore? You played probably. it all day on the edge of your bed. Probably. Yeah, probably. Although, honestly, pretty early on, I was like, I, like, I'm sure I was really into that. But but pretty early on, I was like, I was like, all right, what's what's next? Like, what's harder than this? Like, I, like, I was really trying to learn, like, my first phase, I was really trying to learn, like, Van Halen. That was like, who I was. What era? 
What were you going after? Oh, this the first album. Oh, That's okay. It. Just that. I, I used to when I was I I had that CD in seventh grade and I played it so many times that I couldn't that it like broke. You know, and the, like one of the one of the first things I learned was like the tapping thing in uh, Eruption. Mm. That was like you know, classic. Sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> all good. Up my nose. So yeah, so so <laughs> so uh, like like and shortly after I started getting into all that stuff, like like you know, I imagined myself playing Enter Sandman, but that's because I didn't know more any more Metallica yet. I hadn't been exposed to it. My dad, like again, my dad was a metalhead, but like not as much like I was more into thrash when, mm. when I was into metal stuff like I was really I got really into Metallica when I really heard like Master of Puppets and like um uh what's the album and Justice for All and Ride the Lightning those those three albums I really 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 liked and I was trying to learn the solos from those because they were to me more impressive and cooler than like the Black Album yeah solos and stuff so yeah no I think it's great I think that what I'm really curious to know is, um, I know you had that fear with your dad being a guitar player, and you, I'll just play the drums because there's no way I can do that. At some point, when you are really learning these guitar solos or really learning how to play guitar, uh, do you think that knowing that your dad played really fueled you even more to become a better guitar player, oh, almost uh, to catch up, or oh, that you both become guitar players? Oh no, absolutely! I, I, it was a huge comp- competition thing. I want I wanted to like be better than him like instantly. <laughs> and, and and I worked my ass off like instantly to like like okay you can't pl- you can't play this solo I'm gonna get it down like mm-hmm. that was kind of my mentality really early on that's I've always been a competitive person I was really in the sports for you know for years and years and years what was your main sport if you don't Baseball. mind me asking what what position pitcher you? <laughs> oh you were a pitcher yeah no way yeah up until junior year okay were you playing for school teams and stuff mm-hmm. too. Yeah. What was your record like? What, what was oh, that? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Oh come on! Like you probably got a. He's got a hanging up at the wall back at that. No, I don't. I, <laughs> okay. I, I don't remember. I, I, I seriously became like I started getting into music in a more serious way, like about seventh grade. That's like everything we just talked about was around yeah. seventh grade, and it like it didn't like it didn't fully take over until sophomore year, which was around the time that I found the School of Rock through my dad because he he started teaching there. Um, and that was like I like when I found a community of kids because because I went to Catholic school before or I went to I went to a public school and then I went to St. Joe's in Hamilton for ninth and tenth grade, which is Catholic school, and the music program was not good. Now I had some of my first great music friends there, which was good, but overall, like they like none of them inspired me that much. Like at a certain point, I was kind of like. I'm into different things. Like I wanted to play dream theater at that point and like, like go further down like that kind of like proggy intense kind of road. And no one else was like as into that stuff as I was. Um, so it was really finding school of rock and like, wow, there's a whole community of kids that kick ass. And I went and saw some shows with like the all stars at that time. And excuse me. And, there were kids that just like completely blew my mind. I was just like, and that were younger than me. That was like, holy shit, I mm. suck. This, <laughs> but but it was like it was like, holy shit, I suck. This is great. Uh-huh. Like you know, like it was like it was like yeah. That competitive nature really drove you at that point. You you see these kids that are better than you when, you when younger than you, and you're just like, ah, I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna catch yeah. up with you guys. Yeah, and it's 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 an interesting form of com- competition with me because it's like not it's. Unless, the only time, like, I want to, like, like, 
assert something is like if someone's like a dick you know what I mean if someone's a dick about their skill then 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 that brings out kind of a negative or at least when I was younger that would bring out a negative side but like like mostly it's like you're great I want to be great too let's both be great you know what I mean that's that's kind of like especially as I've gotten older that's like the mentality that I that I have I think that's healthy yeah I think that's especially with bands you know like you're in bands that maybe somebody's like lagging one week or somebody else and y'all like pull each other up yeah as opposed to the opposite which is like hey man get your shit together be like no you know let's raise each other up yeah and i think in our band we do that as well it's yeah. just like hey here's what we could do better etc work with each other yeah that's happened and you know that kind of things happen come up with narbot especially because that was a band that that i started primarily because i wanted to be surrounded by people who are like really trying to push each other like constantly sort of thing. And there have been time periods where I've slacked um, and, you know, I've called myself out on it. I've been called out on it and it's like, it's been undeniable when it's happened. Um, that that's part of why, like I was telling you earlier, that's part of why I switched. I, I have one less teaching day now so that I can literally just practice more. Um, cause I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the guy, I don't want to be the guy holding everyone back. Right. Well, there's one thing that people can't say about you and it's that you're lazy <laughs> and, and maybe people can't say that. I have to say that about myself all I, the fucking uh, time. I, I feel super lazy. I really hope you don't because you make me feel lazy. So, okay. So I'd mentioned all the bands before, but I didn't, we didn't talk about this other half of Zach in which Zach also has a, a music school he runs with some of the guys from Beard Space and uh, and Zach Smith from uh, Narbot, mm-hmm. who was in Sex Ops, right? Yes. Okay. And Nick Reilly and, and the Operators. Oh, they, they do that too as he, well? No, well, he's the other guitar player in that band. It's the two oh, of us. got it. No, well, and as far as, far as the, the music school thing goes, it's mostly just, it's mostly me, Zach... Zach teaches one like there's there's I do group stuff too mm-hmm. like performance based stuff and Zach works with me on that but like oh, so it's mostly you, it's all you and then like the yeah stuff. I kind of run it all oh okay so in the it's in the other beard was incorrect okay. yeah the other beard space guys like they'll sub for me at times and like we you know we we give each other we sometimes we pass each other students and you know that kind of thing but it's not like it's it's def- you know I'm wearing the shirt now I actually didn't want to wear this but I'm wearing it, it says- <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug be yeah. shameless it's okay we do, we're doing it now look okay. Bald Birds Brewing Company and a Hambone Relay Vinyl coming to you soon wherever our vinyl is maybe I'll post it Mark will have to post me one or give me one but um just but yeah. to keep it fair but I was actually going to ask about this academy if you don't mind sure um like we talked about posting videos, you post videos of your students, and and like we you said before, like you feel like you're awesome and you're better than me. I'm gonna catch up, and you post these <laughs> these videos of these kids playing like hiatus coyote and like some beard space songs. They're just out of this world. How do you get these kids to this level? I mean, I don't know. For, there's there's a lot of things that go into it, like. Um... There's a lot of things that go into it, but the 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 easiest summary is to say that just like I, with the ones that I, I gotta be careful here. Uh, um, with 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 kids who I like, I I can't I don't I don't feel like it's like 
proper to treat everyone exactly the same way as in you have to like if you're a coach of something you kind of have to like gauge what different people can take and what standards they can take and for the kids that I know can take it like I hold them to the standard that I would hold my bandmates so that and that's a very very high standard but it's actually it's actually it's actually more than that it's actually a standard that I hold myself to which is like pretty like I'm pretty critical of them and I'm pretty like basically like I'm like hey you don't sound like an adult you don't sound like a pro yet you know like like and if I know they can at where they're at or if I know they have the ambition to get there then I'll push them really hard towards that um but again if I did that with every single student I would have everyone quit and I ha- I actually in the past I I when I was really first getting my feet wet as a teacher in my early 20s I had more students, like a lot, some of my better students would quit because I was constantly just like, like you're like, you know, you come in and tell me you can play Hey You by Pink Floyd and you're not fucking playing it right. And I don't care if you can shred over, like, I don't care if it sounds amazing when you play Guns N' Roses, like you can't play this Pink Floyd song that you've been assigned. So like, and you want to be a professional and you have a big ego already because you're parents and because of everyone looks at you and says, oh, well, he can play really fast. But, like, it doesn't matter, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Well, no. I, I, no, I was actually <laughs> – There's gonna, some stuff. <laughs> I was letting you go. I was in a similar situation. I taught in my uh, early 20s as well right out of school. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be hard with some students. Like, you can't play with ACDC. How can you think that, like, you're – you're the shit when you can't play like, Thunderstruck, just like boom, chin, 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 right, etc. So like, I had a lot of students quit on me. So I, I respect you that you realize kind of like, okay, well, what, how do I deal with this animal? Then you can be critical of some, but some you gotta kind of almost. I well, I mean, it's all the students who are part of this academy performing group. I am critical, and I am like very, I am, I do. They're all held to a very high standard, right? But. I feel like, you know, you're referring to something specific when you say, how do I get certain of those kids to play hiatus right. coyote or snarky puppy or whatever. Like, and those are the kids that like, I have a handful of kids that I would hire for gigs like now, like including ones that are as young as 13. I have a 13 year old bass player that I teach that I would, if I needed a bass player, I would hire him. Really? Yeah. He would be scared shitless, and he'd be like, I, he'd be, he'd be like, I can't do it. But like, but it'd be really good for him. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, but but he, but you know what? Because he sounds like an adult when he plays. Wow. He sounds like a man when when he's confident of what he's playing. He sounds like, uh, sorry, he sounds like a woman or a man. I, I didn't shouldn't have said that. You're fine. You're but good. he sounds like someone who has uh, like like great control over what he's doing, um, and like has the tone of an adult. That's 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 the thing. And that's the kids who want to be professionals like you know who outwardly say that and who I can like really feel it from them. Um that's I hold them to a professional standard which as you know it's not the easiest it's not the easiest field to be successful and especially if you want to mostly do what you want to do, you know. Um so I'm constantly like, hey, listen, like it's a, you know, it's a very competitive field. Like I'm going to like, I want to, I want to like treat you the way, like I want to let you know if you perform in a way that would make it so that you wouldn't get called back next time. Like I want you to know that so that when you are in that situation, you are prepared enough to get called back next time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How are you getting, then how are you getting these kids prepared for such a, like a 
like that, like making sure they get called back. Are you that critical of them in the lesson in the sense of like, here's why I wouldn't call you. Yeah. Et cetera. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, And I, and I like, you know, sometimes it's like broader concept stuff. Sometimes it's like your attitude wasn't good, but other times it's very specific things. Like you rush your sixteenth notes, or you you're you're a singer. You are you are usually pretty sharp, or like guitar player. Every time you apply vibrato, you're a little sharper, or whatever. Or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. drummer, you every time you try to do a shuffle beat, it doesn't actually feel like there's a pocket anymore. You know, mm-hmm. like whatever it is, I try to be like. I try to be, like, very specific and try to get them to hear these things, too. You know what I mean? Because they're things I notice, and they're reasons that I choose to play with who I choose to play with. And they're the ways that I uh, that I analyze myself. And they're things I hear in myself, you know, because I record almost everything I play, and I'm constantly dissecting my playing, always. Every it's 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 honestly it's not always the best thing because a lot of times it carries into what i'm performing right um which is something i'm working on (laughs) constantly but you record every show that you do yeah even if it's just like i'm throwing i'm turning my voice memos on i'm throwing the the phone on the floor almost Mm -hmm. almost every time yeah how okay how often do you listen to the shows like the whole thing whole show Honestly, and like make notes almost, or are you just making mental notes? Mental notes, and um, honestly, it depends on how hype I am on the music itself or mm-hmm. the performance itself. Like I'm more likely, like I I do listen like when I do one off gigs with people, which I tend to do a, a decent amount of. I do listen back to those sometimes, but I'm not as likely to unless like I really think there's like if there is. If I'm really excited about it, then I will. But usually, because to be honest, too, this is a whole other thing. But, you know, when people ask me, like, what's your what's your favorite music and stuff? Like, I would be lying if I said, if I didn't say that the stuff that I'm working on with my friends and by myself is a lot of my favorite music. That's what I'm, I'm trying to make my favorite music. Mm-hmm. It might be selfish as hell, but that's what I'm trying to do. And I think I'm going to make the best contribution to the music world at large if I'm doing that. So I'm more likely to listen back to a Narbot performance than I am to listen back to when I randomly play with so-and-so. Okay. You know? Well, yeah, you're more committed to that, and you want to hear how you sound in that right. space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We um, we recently just started doing a lot of um, record big recordings of our shows. We just got this big Zoom board mm-hmm. and do like pretty... Uh, in depth, like nice mixing of like live shows, yeah, getting stems and stuff, yeah, and then that way I can be really get in depth with like what each person is playing and even take out the organ and the guitar and just listen to the bass, yeah, the bass, the organ, bass, and the drums. But, so it's good to know that some. But Rob, it is funny though. Like we we record all of our shows and then we'll be driving to the next gig and we'll be like, I don't. Know, you want to listen to us? Nah, let's listen to something else. I don't. Know, this sucks. You know, we do, yeah, we do do that, and then we, we don't want to feel down about that gig that day, so we wait till we get home at least. Yeah, <laughs> or from but, those but three we always, shows, we'll take notes and like then go over it and rehearse and stuff. But like when we're on the road, we that's the last thing we want to listen. We to we do all, all that maybe maybe I work with a bunch of narcissists, but all but all but all, almost any any group I'm in, whenever we like if I'm if Narbot's on a four day run. You know, we record the show and then the next day, even if the recording is a cell phone recording and not like I get stems whenever I can too, but I don't like go through, I don't like have a board that I bring with me or anything. But uh, yeah, we always, we always want to listen back to the performances Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, figure out whatever there is to figure (laughs) out about it or enjoy it or hate it or whatever it is, you know, 
But do you guys handle uh, self evaluation well in that circumstance? Like if when you're driving and you hear something that's really fucked up, for example, like either by you or something your bandmate, does that get you down for the whole day or the whole run? Are you pretty good um, at like car, car, uh, compartmentalizing that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say I, like it, I can at least speak personally. Like I'm more likely to be down like right after a performance if I thought I didn't do well. Th- like I'm more likely to be down in that scenario than if I listen back two hours later and I hear a flub. Like I'll be maybe I'll be down. Like the only time I'll be down if I'm listening back to a recording if is if it's like excessive. Which there have been at least a couple shows with Narbot where I feel like my flubbery has been excessive to the point where it's like made me down for literally like two months. I was like depressed because of how bad I played this one show. Um, I was just like so disappointed in myself that I would have played such a shitty show. Mm. Um, we And th- that show in particular, like I was really excited for and we as a band were really excited for and I like uh, I insisted that we like do an elaborate video production for it. Like so we had like five camera people come out like great video quality got the stems and just like literally none of it was up to par to be usable so it was just like such a it was an eye-opener you know it was just like wow like you know Mm -hmm. but aside from situations like that which like i've i've flubbed plenty of times with plenty of bands but like it's rare that to me it feels like more than 50% of the set sucks ass, you know? <laughs> so usually it's like I'm I'm able to laugh at them. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at laughing at myself and my friends and my students too. Like if something sounds funny, I'm like, you know. <laughs> I'm well, stupid. Like, or- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had, we had a show about a year ago. I listened to every now and again that I know was my worst show. Mm. And and I listened to it again. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, work, you go work on it when you, when you get the time. Yeah. But, yeah. Back to um, Beard Space to make a quick change here. Sure. When you guys were together, you guys made like a bunch of together. music. Or you're, I mean, you're still together, yeah. but um, you guys so far have made like, how many records have you guys made? Uh, it really depends on how you look at it. But uh, we have we have a, a six song EP. That's the first thing we did, mm-hmm. which was like even like we had only played a show or two around that time. Um, we have like and you guys went right into the studio to do the. EP. Well, not the studio. Oh. We, well, my Sam's parents were out of town for a week, so we just like holed up in his house and started recording it there, and then recorded some of it in my house, and then some at Jeremy and Kevin's house. Oh, and, that's awesome! And we like it's re- it's really interesting, actually. I think that the quality of it is really interesting because all six songs were recorded slightly differently. Some of them, when when we went in to do the tracking, all we had was literally like a four tape, uh, like four. Um, four input like tape cassette tape recorder sort of thing (laughs) um and but we just we didn't give a shit at all about that we were just like let's just let's just get it let's just do it and and we just did it and some of it came like the it sounds it doesn't sound like a record made in 2010 which is when it was made it sounds like half of it sounds like something that was like shittily recorded in the 70s or something which i really love about it now Mm -hmm. it's nostalgic for me um but anyway, sorry. We have we have that. We have this like nineteen or twenty song crazy EP called Dads. That's like like it's like twenty different parts, and they're all MIDI compositions by a group. It's not just out of the beer space. There's like four more of our friends who contributed all these random weird songs that are like anywhere from thirty five seconds to like maybe two minutes max. 
crazy names and just I think and, I did, was looking at that one. Do they flow pretty good with each other at least? It's like got yeah, dark well, in, in the album. The way we did it, the way we did it was uh, there was like a time period. There was a time period in the early like whatever, like 2009, 2007 through 2010 basically where a pretty large group of us were like frequently like writing music on our computer and like sending it to each other just like all the time. And a lot of it was like bullshit recordings like for comedy. <laughs> right. Um and this thing like one person wrote a thing, then for the second part, I added a thing to something that he had written, and then for the third part, I wrote a thing, then I sent it out to everyone, like, here are these three parts, and then someone else came back with, here's part four, and then someone else came back with, well, here's part five, mm. and we just, like, kind of did it like that until we had, like, again, it's like, I don't remember exactly, it's like 22 pieces or something like that, That's and, awesome. and then we were just like, all right, it's done, let's put it out. Um, <laughs> Then the third thing, Out of the Beard Space 3, is our first uh, actual full length. That's 17 tracks. And that was also mostly done by ourselves, like, in our home home studios, which were complete nonsense. And <laughs> and uh, some of it was done at a place that I don't think is still running, but maybe it is BlixYZ. Never heard of it. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was a place that Jeremy was, like, doing some of his first studio work at, uh... And we we did some of the tracking there, and then we have two live albums, uh, intent to express parts one and two, and then we have our full length from um, I guess we released it two years ago now called uh, Endless Pursuit, um, which is excuse me, which is ten tracks, and which honestly I'm really. It's uh, to me, it's a huge shame that we as a collective don't seem to know much about how to like get recorded music out there a and b also we made it at a time where we knew that after we put it out we were going to like be on a hiatus for a year Mm. so we kind of like put like a lot of money and time we recorded at the gradwell house and put a lot of money a lot of hours into making this record that i think is fantastic I, i really really love it i'm really proud of it um and I don't think most people have, I don't think a lot, of, like, I don't think it's been heard really by anyone. I'll be honest, I heard it this week when I was researching. But my question is, why did you guys take the year hiatus? Because we have been doing things together for a long time, as you mm-hmm. now have a little bit more history on. Um, you know, between the band, between Beard Fest, which is a whole nother huge animal, which I'm now in the thick of now. Um, we've like we've lived together in houses a couple times we've like we all moved to a farm together in 2012 and like lived outside in virginia like in tents and like (laughs) like we're just like living off the land like we've done a lot of stuff together um a lot of side projects and stuff and it just gets heavy sometimes and out of the beard space as a collective like when it's gelling, it gels really hard, but it can be really difficult because there's always been a democratic nature to it. So coming to, you know, we've, we've, we've always joked about, but it's completely real that it's a band of like heavy compromise because, you know, the way one person wants something to go is never how it goes. Like even if, even if it's like my song, that's kind of how we always kind of like worked it. Like if it's my song, I have final say over anything that anyone does, but like still, Overall, with, like, the grand vision of, like, what is it to be a band, um, there's never been enough points of agreement that we've been able to, like, do more than what we have done. 
Right. If that makes sense. No, it, it makes total sense. There are, was it seven? Eight. Eight. Or, of no, you no, guys. sorry, 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 sorry. Six. There are six core members, and since 2015 or 16, we've had a seventh who. I like he plays with us when we play, but I he's still not he, he's not I wouldn't call him a core member just because he doesn't he's not involved unless we're like actively doing stuff. Okay. Um, but, I can see how that's difficult because I know I mean are you guys pretty much would you say you guys are all hard headed with when it comes to like your opinion? Yes. Okay, so that must be incredibly Absolutely. difficult. Yeah. Because because you guys all come from different musicalities and all sorts of stuff that must be very hard. Like for us, it's only three of us, mm. and plus. It's. I mean, it's mostly me and Mark. It's two guys. We produced the last record. I can't mm-hmm. imagine what six or seven people trying to butt heads over even just like a couple tunes. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not only that. It's again. It's like grand vision sort of stuff. Like mm. at the time when we were younger and could have done the thing that bands do, where you like, we're just gonna go on the road and play a million shows in a million <laughs> towns. When we were young enough, where that could have made sense, not enough of the guys were on board, and it was yeah. me, Jeremy, and Sam who went on to really handle Beard Fest, which we're still doing. And I'm sure I probably missed like 40 texts in the last, <laughs> honestly, like since this meeting, since this started about Beard Fest. Uh, we've always kind of been able to figure out how to compromise and work together, and we always knew that, like at that time, we were like. Let's tour. Let's do the stuff. We had a manager, and he he ended up. He's he's actually now like he doesn't manage Beard Space because Beard Space doesn't do anything. He but he's um, he's Narbot's booking agent, and he's he works with a lot of our great artists. He's Muscle Tough's booking agent, um, et cetera, et cetera. But we had this guy working with us, Andrew, and uh, we could have pulled the trigger if we were all kind of in the right headspace for it. Like we could have again done the things you would do to kind of get to the next level but th- half of the band really wasn't comfortable with it wasn't didn't didn't like the idea of being a touring musician and for a lot of reasons and that was the younger half of the band That's me brilliant. Jeremy and Sam the older guys were like let's do this shit we can figure it out excuse me of course we butt heads and of course there's going to be compromise but let's do it and you know the other guys didn't. I'm curious that it's to. it's the the older half is fine with it. You guys are ready to go out, and the younger half has uh, reservations. About yeah, doesn't that seem? That uh, seems counterintuitive. Yeah, because you think like they have more freedom, and you guys, you know, you, I mean, you have a kid on the way, and you're like, well, again, this is I'm talking. I'm still ta- I'm talking about like three, two, oh, three years okay. ago. So now. Still some time ago. Now. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. that's and but even honestly, from the beginning, there was always kind of this like. There's always kind of this faction of the younger the younger guys putting their feet in the ground about what they would and wouldn't do, and us being like, let's do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that enthusiasm s- kind of dwindled over the years of just like having so much pushback and like you know one bad show experience in a different state made the like caused the whole band to be depressed for like a month, and it's just like stupid shit like that yeah. that that like again like you know. It just didn't it didn't feel like it made sense to keep looking at it the same way we were looking at it right you know so we decided to take the hiatus and um we all kind of like it's not like we were like all right not going to see you guys anymore or anything like that but we were like we're taking a hiatus and me and sam we're going to focus on hungry ghost and everyone kind of was going to do their own thing and we did we didn't play basically for a year leading up to Beardfest 2017, I think. 
And then we did the festival because we kind of did agree that even if we were doing a hiatus, we would always play the festival. Um, and we played, I think, again, I think it was 2017. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I have a hard time, time remembering. Time isn't real. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> but but we, we played and we had a great time. And then in the year between that Beard Fest and the next one, which might be where we are now, actually. I think that's where we are now. We took a few more shows, and we've been a little bit more open to it. But we're not really seeking. We've sought some opportunities out. Like if we see a band that we re- like, like it's probably not going to happen. But like we saw King Crimson was coming to town, we were and we were like, hey, uh, you know, we we hit up anyone that we thought might be able to make that happen. We were like, we know it's a long shot, but we would love to open for King Crimson. You know, you want us? Like we'll 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 like pay you to play the show. You know what I mean? Like, well, that was one of your main influences when you guys started that band, right? Still, like King yeah, Crimson. Yeah, it's still one of my favorite bands. Oh, for sure, fantastic, dude. Um, but yeah, so we've we've scaled it back, and it's been great actually. Like our our show experiences now, we don't play as often, and the the offer we we can be kind of selective in what we take, and what that means is that when we do shows, we're we're generally more excited as a group and like our fans are more excited because we're not oversaturating. We're not playing all the time and that's what it is. And no one is like set. I don't think anyone in the band is like, is like mentally like we will never go for the thing, you know, like I could be open to, to uh, having beard space become more of a real thing again at some point. Um, if the circumstances are right. And I think that's kind of where everyone is, but it's kind of currently the vibe where no one's really like pushing it too hard because we have so many other things that we're pushing and that feel more natural, such as Narbot for me. It feels Mm -hmm. very natural to be working on Narbot and I love it so much right now. And we as a band are all on the same page with that. Mm -hmm. And it sounds amazing. I love the, how you're pushing the boundary and a few musically and all those things. And I can't wait. You guys are working on a record right now too, as well. We are. It's been taking so long, but yeah, we are. It's going to be so worth it though. When you're, when you're freaking done, do you have like a release date or anything or now you're still working, hustling at the mix? Yeah, no, we're working on it. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things where we started, we started it and we had all these songs and we got the rough draft. We got the, you know, the foundation for a lot of the tracks and then I lost a bunch of I lost a bunch of my tracking because my computer I spilled water all over my computer. No. Yeah. Um and hadn't backed it up like an idiot and <sighs> and on top of that just like we've had uh, we've we've all been we all just write so much. We all always are working like we're always working on new music. Always always always. Um so it kind of this is honestly a problem with beard space too. There's there's a lot of beard space songs that were great that are just kind of like only weird demo recordings exist of them because we never we never put them down when we should have. Um, so I got to make sure it doesn't happen with Narbot. But yeah, we just keep like having opportunities come up to like, you know, like, okay, this minor thing comes up like, all right, well, we're not going to do old songs. We want to record new songs. And then it's like, well, we still didn't even finish the old songs in the album, but it's like, it's hard to get hype on doing that, you know. Because you had them for so long now at this point. Yeah, and because we know it's like for the for the minor thing, it's like, okay, we're getting flown out to Nashville. We're going to be in a great studio working with great gear and great people. We don't have to worry about mixing it. Like, it's just like it's all there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, but yes, we are. We definitely are going to finish the album, and it and it will be worth it. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool when when it comes out. Finally, it's gonna be amazing, dude. Now you mentioned Beard Fest. I was gonna ask yeah. a couple questions about Beard Fest. If that's sure. all right, um, you guys just released the lineup. We did. You it's, mean with Kesha and Guar? 
No, the, that was hilarious. <laughs> so they released an April Fool's one, and that was hilarious. But the one, the actual one, is knucking futs. We'll call it that. <laughs> and, I, and like last year's was great. But how in the fuck did you get JoJo Mayer and Nerve and and Ghost Note and the New Deal? Like whoever's making those calls deserves some sort of award. That's, I mean, that's just, <laughs> like, that's collectively me, Jeremy, Sam, and uh, our our talent buyer Andrew. Our, so, sorry, uh, our talent buyer Justin. Sorry, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. No, no, and, <laughs> no. But but Andrew Andrew actually is the guy who I said represents Narbot. He also works with JoJo Mayer, and he also works with Ghost. Oh, Mayer. so there's a connection there between. Yeah. Okay. But but before he worked with any of them, we booked JoJo Mayer played Beard Fest in 2015. Oh, I didn't know and that. I, and I booked him. Oh wow! Before we had a talent buyer, when we were still kind of like handling the. Was it relatively easy? Um. There was a good amount of back and forth, but but you know you reach out and you you have something to offer and mm-hmm. people will listen. Doesn't matter who they are. And that that year we booked him and uh, Mark Juliana's project, Beat Music. I do remember that. Yeah, um, that that for me, like that those those kind of things happened right around the same time. And they to me, like as I was reaching out to both of them, I almost like didn't. I thought I was going to get ignored or something, and they both happened pretty quickly, and it was like. Holy shit! Now yeah, headliners. Now both, yeah. Now both Mark Juliana and you know JoJo Mayer, two of my favorite drummers on the planet, are playing sets where Beard Space is playing right in between because you know that's what we're able to do with that's our festival. Awesome. You know what would have been amazing if you got both of them to play with you guys. Like, that would have been. That would have been like. Yeah, that would have been amazing. That been clutch. And you know, and like we have like last year, um, Nate Worth from Ghost Note sat in with us and. We've had uh, Dave Fusinski from Screaming Headless Torso sat in with us a couple years ago, <clears throat> but you know we, we're we're not we're we're cautious with asking those artists to do things if they want to do it, you know, great by all means, come yeah, on, yeah, down. <laughs> yeah. But, but we're not like pushy or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we understand not everyone wants to just get up and play with some random prog kids they don't know. But luckily, it's you know it, the festival has been. A springboard for us as a band and for our own music careers for sure right. and putting us into contact with these people that you know we we book a lot of people we admire such as jojo Nerve and ghost note and the new deal i mean I, the new deal i can't even it's it's still kind of crazy to me that they're on the lineup i remember being shown the new deal in like 2009 um by the that my friend nick laria who's in that band sex office mm-hmm. Um, who's like, you have to check this out. This is like really great combination of electronic and, and live music. It's like these guys are playing this music, um, but it's all like techno style or, or whatever, various forms of electronic music. And I love that album. It's just called The New Deal. I think it came out in 2001. And I still love that album. I still listen to it. I've been listening to it for years. Way before, and I heard that way before I knew what a jam band was or what the jam scene was or or that they were like the pioneers of a style that's now very popular called Jamtronica. Right. You know, I had no idea about any of those things. I, like, I'm not like a jam kid. None of us really are. Like, we learned about the jam scene from being told for a while, like, you guys the our jam band. You guys sound like fish. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when you decided, okay, but we're going to do Beard Fest for real. You already done one, and then you're going to create Beard Fest number two. Yeah, yeah. That's That That was the eye-opener. Rootwire was kind of the eye-opener of, like, the fact that it even existed. And the headliners were, like, Papadozio was their festival, and Dopapod, and, 
consider the source played there and snarky puppy played there in like a weird like afternoon slot which is just crazy That's now bizarre. to think of um but yeah there was so much instrumental talent and fire there and and i was just amazed i was like there's like i don't know like four thousand people here and they're here to they're here to see this shit mm-hmm. like and this is like this is the same kind of shit that I love and the same kind of shit that I'm trying to make. Like I guess we don't have to just like sadly play in like bars with like rock bands that like everyone gives us weird looks and then leaves early, you know? Like I guess there could be a market for us, you know? What's the weirdest venue you ever played? The weirdest give me, venue? Give me the weirdest show. I'll give you oh, ours. God damn. <laughs> Here, think of it. And I'll, t- I'll tell you ours. Our weirdest show, we played a New Jersey uh, festival. Called? Right, at the Shore. It, was it just called The Shore? Elephants, Jersey- Elephants for Autism? No. Okay. What was it? <laughs> no, That's a good it, 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 Awesome name. But what was the name of the it was, festival? It's just like the Jersey Shore Festival. Or it, we were playing with all metal bands. Okay. We're an organ trio jam funk band. Right. So there are guys doing shreddy guitar souls with like the uh, the pack, like the the wireless pack, and they're yeah. going to the bar like doing shots and yeah. They were they were getting the- loose face like yeah. gyrating. And <laughs> so- he's just like, what the fuck is going on? Man? And everybody's in all black, and we're just walking. Okay, I guess we'll do this. Yeah, <laughs> it was just the strangest show we've ever played. I think that's got to be top. Well, well on Saturday, on Saturday you weren't there. We had a sub drummer. We did play a plant potting seminar. Nice. So that might be. That sounds cool. Though it, it was actually it was great. They loved they loved us too. It was cool. But, yeah. But uh, I've never I don't think I ever played a gig like that before. <laughs> pretty crazy. But nice. I'm trying to think, and nothing specifically comes to mind other than I thought you were going to mention uh, like this. So there's this guy, Jerry Ryan, who's the fucking man who uh, lives in the Atlantic City area and throws shows down there. He has annual festivals called Elephants for Autism, where he's raising money for autism. Um, And uh, what's the other one? Um, Just Elephant Talk Indie Music Fest. Oh, the awards. Yeah. Well, they do awards, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And and, uh, he throws these festivals that are just like – a straight he'll book he'll book anyone that wants to play really which which is awesome because like for a lot of people like when out of the beer space was starting out we didn't we didn't have a ton of contact we didn't know who to play for or with or where and the the venue that a lot of these shows were held in was called Le Grand Fromage now that place closed <coughs> it was really strange <laughs> it was in Atlantic <laughs> City it was like you know it was like behind like was a dark hole in the wall behind a casino. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it had it had two floors. It was really shady, um, but uh, we had some great times there. But definitely weird times, and definitely like just the the mix of bands were just like, what the fuck? Like you know, yeah, you'd you hear wanna, like, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but th- those were some of the weirder shows I would say probably there. And then I had my kids play there a bunch. Like I had like like when I was still working at School of Rock, like I got them some gigs down there and. And same thing. It was, like, really weird but, like, cool experiences for the kids to be in this, like... So this is, like, something that you might come across, like, you know, weird places like this and weird and interesting crowds like this. But people were into it, so it was fun, you know? But I think that's amazing that you show you show these kids in this academy just, like, look, this is actually what we deal with as professionals. Yeah. Like, you will get one of these that you didn't know that you booked it, but when you get there, you're like, oh... Okay. Yeah. And you just kind of have to roll with the punches. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I try to do that on, on a lot of fronts with them. Like anyone who wants to, I have certain kids who like are kind of constantly asking me questions more related to like the business, music industry, management, like, you know, Beardfest management and, 
dealing with agents and dealing with talent buyers and dealing with yada 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 there like and I'm totally willing with a lot of those kids to just like you know let them in on like how it all goes down because no one can prepare you for that you know other than people who have done it and like I wasn't prepared for it and I still half the time I'm like like what the fuck is this like the music (laughs) the music industry is very strange and the way things work and sometimes work sometimes don't work is very strange so yeah, it's a weird world yeah. we, uh, we live in. Yeah, for sure. But I want to commend you on the um, the Beard Fest. I can't, I can't imagine being in your shoes. Well, I mean, there's you guys split up the duties, but I can't imagine getting the amount of emails you guys probably do about that festival. <laughs> if you don't follow us on YouTube, Zoom you need in to, real quick. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you need to follow us on YouTube just to see the face he made. <laughs> go, go to dude, check this out. Music yeah. podcast. Go, go. Tell me more about that face. No, please. I mean it's just you no, know, it's it's just constant, and it's for months. It's most months out of the year, and it's it's email. It's it's our band email. It's my private email. It's text messages. It's Facebook messages. I must get annoying as it's, hell. It's everything, and it's and it's people I know really well, and it's people I don't know really well, and it's people who got my number from someone or so and so, and some of it's really like courteous, and I try I try to respond to most um, and be like, just like, hey, this is the booking process, like with pretty much anyone. Um, And, you know, some people, sometimes people are like really aggressive and rude about it and like kind of like, you know, like kind of entitled, kind of like Mm. think they're entitled. And that goes for people who I don't know at all. And sometimes people who we do know who are like good friends or like really great bands sometimes, like, you know, we can't get everyone on every year. And... That's just the way it is. We right. have we have to have diversity in it, and there. Are, if you want a thing like that to succeed, which we do, um, you have to be strategic in how and why you book. And we are. We're very, very, very strategic about it. Um, we are. We are trying to capture certain elements musically. We are trying to capture certain elements demographic wise, and into like who they will like, like their fans and what areas they are from. Like, Mm. like, you know, like we want people from Pennsylvania to come. How do we do that? You know, we want people from New York city to come. How do we do that? Um, we want people who like bluegrass to come. We want people who like jazz to come. We want people who like techno music. to come. You have to go into a lot of different markets and then kind of get them all to convene at your festival. Exactly. And, and that, what that means is that, you know, for, for, all kinds of reasons not everyone can play every year and we have to make some calls and you know sometimes people are really understanding about it other times people are pretty pushy about it like why like but but why i just don't get it like you know like what what could we what could we have done differently it's like literally nothing like like it's not it's not it's usually not because we don't like you or something like that there's no like you know what i mean it's like it just is what it is, and it's like it's it's a democratic process there. Even though there's there's really th- like there's four of us pretty heavily in on it, but there's three of us really at the end of the day saying yes or no. Um, and you know, like even me as an individual, there I c- I would say that every year maybe each one of us has one fuck you card where it's just kind of like I don't care what either of you guys think. Like we're we're I need this band to be on the festival, um, but we usually actually don't even get to that because like we again like if two of the other people like say like I feel strongly about one thing, but the other two guys 
are not feeling the same way about it. Usually their reasoning is pretty solid. And usually we, we try to like, obviously there's personal gain invested in this because we spend a fair amount literally of every waking moment thinking about it yep. for like six or seven months of our year. So it's fucking a lot. So yeah, my bands are going to play. Like mm-hmm. they are. <laughs> sorry. If anyone has a problem with that, sorry. Like you, you make a festival. Well, no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like you put in the time, you get the re- most of the reward. And I mean, I mean, there are a lot of bands that like your side projects are all in here. Like, uh, Ethan's other band is on the pants song, pants song, which on is Jeremy. So that's Jer- oh, Jeremy's band. I'm sorry. I did not. No, know it's that. okay. No, no, no. And okay. it's, it's Jeremy and Ethan's in it too. Okay. Um, but it totally makes sense that Pan Song is on because that's Jeremy's project and he's one of the guys doing a lot of the work for it. Right. And Narbot's going to be on the festival mm-hmm. this year. Are there any other um, Beard Deep, Space affiliated bands on there? Deep Creature. Deep Creature's also on um, there. I know Rob, Trap Rabbit's on there. You play with them every now and again. Yeah, I'm playing with them this Friday, actually, at the Grape Room around 12 p.m. Or a.m. Or oh, actually, I'm going midnight. to that show. I'm going to I'm gonna be there. I'll see you there. Is it just a trio? Is it going to be three of you? Or? I don't know. They see, I think they're having a couple other guys sit in at different points, too. I don't know if John— You're Probably you and Coleman. Well, no, no, no. I know they're having other guitar players sit in. I know uh, Dan Kaplowitz is sitting in, who's a good buddy of mine. And Dan he plays, he plays with, with us. With us. Cool. Yeah. Dan's the man. Dan awesome. is one of my favorite guitar players, and— He's a fucking awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and some guy that I'm not super familiar with who uh, I guess is like a, a great broom regular or something. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know who he is. I could be even wrong about that fact. Um, don't matter. But yeah. So is Trap Robinson. Huh? Is it Mike Hoffman? No, it's not Mike Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Mike Hoffman. I love you, Mike. But no, I think that I commend you guys. It's a big, big feat and you guys handle it every year and yeah, yeah, it's just it's just become part of life kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, the just the the thing I was saying is like like if two of the guys don't agree with the decision, it's usually for a pretty good reason. You know what I mean? Like usually it's like, all right, like I can see why it's not a good idea to book this band, even though I really want to book them. But that said, every year, like you know, if I really, really, really need to push something through, I can. But it's like it's not. It's not. It's not usually how we go about it. It's usually like a unanimous, like, you know, if I want a band to be honest, like here are my reasons, and usually they'll agree with me mm-hmm. or not. <laughs> right. And you know? then you put down your fuck you card. Yeah. yeah. Or not. Or not. <laughs> Depending. Yeah, you only get one. So yeah. get to talk about the music news ladies and gentlemen uh, coming this weekend this podcast will come out after that but coming this weekend is Trey Anastasio's new band coming on tour Ghosts of the Forest have you heard about this? I might have seen something on social media okay I know that John Coleman I think is a part of some sort of a pre-party or after party or that's what I saw some I don't know maybe he was just Probably. helping promote it that man <laughs> that man plays with everybody he does and I, he loves him some fish he, he yes he does. John loves <laughs> John loves himself some fish. Yeah. Oh man! But basically, uh, Trey, uh, I'm getting the article up. Trey has been talking about this new band. It's basically uh, members from the Trey Anastasio band and from um, and John Fishman from Fish. Okay. And they're doing like a like almost like a trio kind of run. Somebody they knew passed away. Chris, um, I had the thing up, but somebody they knew passed away. And, it happened re- right when they were going to record the record, and now they're doing like an eight-show run, uh, 
going across the um, the East Coast, I believe. But they're um, they're on tour. They're gonna be in Philly this weekend. Uh, here it is. And uh, Trey Anastasio has a new documentary with Rolling Stone, huh. basically all about fish this past year with like the Baker's Dozen and uh, and um, this music, and then coming out with that random ass album and then performing it at Baker's Dozen. Like the you heard about this, the uh, fake metal band they created. No. Yeah. So I did not hear Baker's about this. Dozen, they they. I put, know what that was. Okay, so they did the whole, a different album every night. Well, they made up a, a random band. And they made it like a Wikipedia page for, for their them. Halloween show. For the Hall- Halloween oh, show. I thought it was for the Baker's Dozen. No, it was for the Halloween oh, show. for the Halloween show. So they created a fake band, and they performed this music. People are like, who the fuck is this? And they went online. Turns out the Fish just came out with a new record, and now it's like everybody's favorite songs and mm-hmm. stuff from this fake band that they made. Right. And basically documents that. It talks yeah. about everything they've done this year. I admire them. In what way? The reach that they have and the influence they have over people's lives—they <laughs> definitely and, do. <laughs> and the, the 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 cult they've created. Would you compare them? Maybe not as big, but would you compare them to like the uh, today's Grateful Dead? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. To me, that's like an obvious co- comparison. Yeah. And and I, you know, both bands are not my favorite musically. Uh, um, I can get down with some Fish stuff, and I can get down with some Grateful Dead stuff, but. I, I saw my first fish show last year, I guess it was, and the thing I was most uh, impressed with and inspired by was just like you know seeing so many. I mean, Jesus Christ, that what was it? The BB and T Pavilion is where they played, so it was completely packed. The lawn was completely packed, and you got people singing along to these melodies and like just like with it for like the show, and you know knowing what's going on and knowing the culture behind the songs and. They've created a whole thing, and I, I think that's really awesome. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think it's beautiful I too. Would hope to be able to do something like that at my at some point in my life. Yeah, build that some that kind of culture around your music. That, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, the next bit of music news kind of involves Zach Lepresti Beardfest pre party, which is the return of the New Deal, which we had mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. uh, do you want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's going to be the Wednesday before Beard Fest, and it's actually an exclusive pre-party only available. Tickets are only going to be available to people who uh, have already purchased Beard Fest tickets or who purchased them at the same time. You'll get a you'll get a code, a promo code, that allows you to buy a ticket for the Silk City show. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, for anyone who knows Silk City, it's, a, it's you know, one of Philly's favorite little, uh, you know, smaller, smaller bar venues and it's very intimate yeah it's, it's very intimate venue. and seeing a band like a, a huge band like the new deal there is is going to be sick it's gonna be huge yeah well so it's the new deal it's narbot i assume no, who, no, no nobody no. else is on that no bill? i don't i don't think anyone else is playing it um beard space we we talked about doing it and we were going to do it but it's so close to the festival that it's the it's the day before doors open and mm. we are we are like running around like headless cats and chickens, cats, whatever. <laughs> headless cats is better. <laughs> no, no it, is, it actually is more like cats because like there's at least there's some like I don't know. I feel like a headless cat would have itself together a little bit more. <laughs> I don't like where we're at, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next bit of music news is uh, the Rolling Stones had to be, have to be replaced at New Orleans Jazz Fest because Mick Jagger has to get a. Uh, Heart valve surgery. Are you a Stones fan? No, and not not at all. <laughs> I don't know why they're still playing. I guess because money, more happy and money. But no, I don't. I don't know. I've never never been a Stones guy, and 
when I see that they're constantly touring, I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, what about what about recordings though? Not not going to see them live, but are you a, are you a Stones fan even not with the really. old stuff? I mean some I mean some songs, but not not really. I don't know. Just not my vibe. Okay. Well, April Fools was yesterday, and the big thing online yesterday was that Zeppelin was was like jokingly going to be their nice. replacement at New Orleans Jazz now Fest. That, that would excite me. Yeah, but then you know what Robert Plant came out and said? There's not enough money in the world to make me play with Led Zeppelin again. Wow. Yeah, I it was like, that. damn! Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Uh, and the last bit of music news is Snarky Puppies announced a tour. They're coming to the Fillmore on September the 4th. Yeah, that's awesome. And in Philadelphia, you should definitely come see that. It's going to be a good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm definitely trying to get tickets. Um Next section of this uh, podcast is called Whip It Out. That's your phone. We're going to whip out our phones and talk about the last five things we've kind of been listening to. So, Zach, if you'd be so kind, you can bust out your phone and we can kind of see where your head's been at. Zach mentioned during the break that uh, he's been <laughs> listening to a lot of uh, students' material or the tunes that students wanted to learn. But uh, we'll see where kind of Zach's head's oh, at let's right now. see. Yeah, so, so it's usually my recently played usually – consists of stuff that I'm either learning for gigs or that my students are learning for his academy or for lessons. So I have The Heat Is On by the Isley Brothers, which yes. we were which we were going to play at Funkin' Bowl on uh, Sunday, but we ended up not playing that one. But I was listening to I was actually listening to it uh, before the set to remind myself of how it went. <laughs> hey, real quick side note. You, uh, you've been doing the, the Funkin' Bowl, which yeah. is um, – over at North Bowl in uh, Second and Brown, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. something much, like that, pretty much. Um, but that's hosted by Eli Winderman of Dopapod, correct? Yeah, correct. So every Sunday he has a different band playing that venue. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. I think that you guys have kind of all become involved with Dopapod even after you've seen them at that first festival. Yeah, no, and I've, I've definitely told Eli that story before, and it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty like full circle almost. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's great. I haven't been to one yet. I, I, every Sunday, I'm just like, I want to like go check it <laughs> out. So I know, much fun. There's well, no, because we're huge fans of everyone in the bands. Like, we love Muscle Tough. We love uh, uh, the new Master Sounds. Eddie Roberts did a couple shows yeah. or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, we didn't know Dopapod before. Yeah, but then we checked out their last live album. Holy shit, they're awesome! Yeah, Dopapod's sick. They're really cool. Anyway, continue yeah, with yeah. your list. Um, I'm seeing some, uh, some, like, I'm seeing just a general playlist of, uh, Academy Spring 2019 Sunday, which, uh, would be the, uh, I have two groups right now. I have a group that, that rehearses on Sundays and a group that rehearses on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. Um, I could just, I don't even know what song was most recent. I could just go down the list of this, though. <laughs> Give me something. one or two. I don't know. Uh, Beyond the Seventh Galaxy by Return to Forever. Dude, that song's awesome. <laughs> do you know, do you know that record? Oh my god, I love I love Return to Forever. I love the stuff that um what was the album that they the two albums they did with the chick uh singer um uh, Light as a Feather? Yeah, Light as a Feather. I don't I don't know the other one. Um there's a second one I think. I just can't remember what the hell it's called. Anyway, continue. Um next couple are uh, If I Were a Song and If You Were a Song both by Infinian, which is a Philly based uh progressive I guess you could call them progressive rock, but they really take influences from a lot of places. Are you familiar with them? Infinity? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been around. I feel like they've been a band since, like, I started playing music or something. Like, they've been around for a while. Um, and they're, inc- to me, like, I don't understand why they're not fucking huge. They're, 
at least in the prog realm, the progressive rock and jazz realm, because to me they're some of the they have some of the best compositions I've heard. And to me, these two songs, if I were a song and if you were a song, are like top notch compositionally. Like I'd put it up there with anything that I would put up there. Awesome. Oh, definitely check those out, ladies and gentlemen. What's the last one? Give me one more. Uh, Golden Lady by Stevie Wonder. Because you like it, or because you had to learn it? Because it's great it's uh, a, for, for the students. This is this is just this is just like the first couple songs on the students' Sunday list. Oh wow! Just because it's a great it's a great song. Yeah, not a bad thing to say about Stevie Wonder. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're doing that and Contusion by him. Which, that I've told him I want to cover that song. Yeah, Contusion's awesome. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah, I haven't convinced him yet, but maybe. Oh, Yep. <laughs> so good. Anyway, wrap my favorite part of the show. It's called the lightning round. We're going to do basically as fast as you can answer these questions. Here okay. we go. Zach, what was the first album you ever owned? Uh, uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation soundtrack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> first, first live concert you ever saw. Various that you remember Christ- seeing various Christian rock concerts with my dad, and then Creed with my mom, who is also arguably Christian rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Creed. Last show you Woo! saw. <laughs> Proud that of took, that one. That took that took the life out of the room. Yeah, uh, I'm just sorry. kidding. Last, <laughs> I did ask. Last show you saw that you weren't a part of. Um. Uh. Uh. Shit. I don't know. Um. I, I can't I can't maybe like it. a Funkin' Bowl that you weren't on mm, it's been a little while since I went to one of those that I wasn't on um oh crap here we'll come back to that one yeah yeah what's something people would be surprised to know about you I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um, after this interview <laughs> yeah um no I don't know alright skip that one uh, favorite song to play right now it can be yours I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I'm 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 bad at this right now. Um, there's a Narvot song I really love playing called Destroyer. That that's one of my songs. Oh, that's awesome. It just feels good to play. It's fun. Uh, favorite local artist that hasn't been heard of or you think deserves to be heard of right now? Uh, there's so many, but um, I don't know. I mean, it, people know Infinian to some degree, but they should be a lot bigger. So mm-hmm. I would say Infinian is definitely just because we, especially we were just talking. We were just about talking him. about him. Uh, guilty pleasure artist or album? Lincoln Park. Dude, <laughs> which one? Uh, Hybrid Theory, probably. Oh, it's a classic. Okay, well, yeah. a lot of people say like, oh, I don't really. It's not, I'm not. I don't feel guilty about it, but I respect your guilty pleasure artist. Uh, favorite album right now. Favorite album right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, I've been listening. The, can I can I look at my phone real quick? Yeah, we can edit this too. Okay, okay. Uh, let me see if this gives me any light into it. No, I don't know. I've been listening an album that I've been putting on a lot when I have time to actually listen to music, just to listen to it, is uh, called Circuits by. Um, Saxophone player Chris Potter. I love Chris Potter. Yeah. Dude, he's the man. Dope album. Amazing playing. Have you seen some of the videos with him sitting in with uh, 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 Snarky Puppy? Yeah. And like, dude. It's epic. 
Yeah. Favorite artist right now? Favorite artist right now? Like? Band artist. Mm. One or the other. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I don't, I don't have one. Well, I'll tell you what. You are a man of many tastes. I'm sure it's very difficult. Now, this is like the last big question. I like it. It's been a new thing. I've been kind of asking artists. I'm really curious where their headspace is. Why do you think you play music? Like, is it, is it, sorry, go ahead. Because I have to. You think that's. Yeah. I, I, um, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like an inherent need to do it. Like, I feel like if I wasn't doing it, I wouldn't, that's like my reason for like living. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I love my friends and my family and all of that, but like my desire to like live for a very long time has been fueled by my desire to, uh, pursue music. And yeah, it's kind of been like that for as long as I can remember, like being like a human, which I mean, I don't know, late teens or something is when you become a human. <laughs> we're all aliens until we're yeah. Well, you're just like, thirteen. You, you, st- you still know what the hell's going on. <laughs> oh, but, fair, fair enough. But, fair but enough. like, and not that you do know what the hell's going on when you're late in your late teens. But that's when I started. Like, that's when I got whatever like conviction and fire it is I have to do what I do, and that's like it's lasted since then. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I think about. Music as a pursuit that's a lifelong pursuit and that I could never, I'll never master, but I could uh, just continue going with. And if I ever get bored with it, it's because I'm boring or because I'm lazy or something. Because, like, there's always a new road to explore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, whether it's guitar playing or drumming or just listening or singing or playing bass or you know, I, I have these loose aspirations now that I'm trying to take more seriously of becoming a real piano player. Cause I always, cause it's weird. You know, we were talking earlier about how I couldn't imagine myself playing guitar. I can't imagine myself like crushing it, like behind a keyboard. I just can't, I can't picture it, but I would love to, cause I'll, sometimes I'll listen to classical music. Like I'll listen to like, like, um, like Ravel, like piano pieces or Debussy piano pieces. And like almost cry like both because of how beautiful it is and because I can't I feel like I like touching music like that is something I just can't touch and it it it, it upsets me so uh yeah so hopefully hopefully in five years I'll, I'll at least be able to like stumble through some shit is it like a timeline you gave yourself like five years now I just, oh, just right yeah, now yeah as of Zach as of, of the future I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no I, I have to though because it's I think I'll I think I'll I think it'd be like a big a deep life regret if I don't I think so I think it piano especially is one that you should know yeah at least basics I know basics I can I can fumble around I, I know how to build chords what well, I mean you I mean like in general yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah yeah you know basic musician but I want to be able to like crush it yeah I got you what's your next big show with uh, Narbot or Out of the Beard Space this episode should, will go live next week uh, um, next uh, 10th yeah April 10th I'm trying to think of the next excuse me next big show um, well the weekend of I guess May May 3rd um, we're having the first be- there's actually going to be three beard fest pre parties. So oh, one, okay. One is the one that's very close to beard fest, which is the New Deal. The first one is uh, is going to be on May fourth, and it's Narbot, Miss Cantaloupe, and uh, 
Medusa's Disco, which if you know those bands, it's a very weird <laughs> blend of bands, but it's going to be a lot of fun because of that. It's going to be a very diverse night of music. So that should be a pretty, pretty fun or indoor big one. Um, then the next weekend, there's a festival called Threestival yeah. um, that I've played a bunch in my various projects. And Beard Space is headlining on the Friday night and Narbot's headlining on the Saturday night. So no shit. Excited about that. That That's be, awesome. That Where fun. is that festival? It's in a new location. I mean, honestly, this is this is kind of pathetic, but like, like I've like with all the Pennsylvania festivals and stuff, like I'm always just like, oh, it's like Bumblefuck, Pennsylvania. I don't know. It's somewhere. <laughs> it's somewhere. You put in the GPS and just get yeah, me there. Exactly. It'll be fine. <laughs> exactly. It's like okay. It's like is this one three hours away or four hours away? Okay, great. All right. Well, where can people find you online and such things? To Facebook follow you? and Instagram. Just Are, Zach Lepresti? Yeah, Instagram is Zach Lepresti, and Facebook is uh, Zlopresti13. Oh, awesome. Um, I have a website, but it's not ready yet, and I lost the domain name, so... We'll, oh, we'll, they, they got it from under yeah, you? We'll we'll check back in on that later. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure to go follow out into the beer space, uh, Narbot, all those bands I mentioned earlier. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. No, no problem, man. And thank you to Ballbirds for... Uh, for being our first sponsor ever and thank you for listening peace thanks for listening to dude check this out a music podcast by hambone relay this friday april 12th hambone relay will be playing the underground by round guys brewing company in lansdale pennsylvania also on the bill will be uh, alongside the dreamers and peace in the city greece so that's going to be an awesome one on saturday April 13th, we're playing at Time at Sansom and Broad in Philadelphia. Those are always great shows. You won't want to miss that. And on Sunday, the 14th, we're going to be playing the uh, Spring Street Festival in Manium. We'll be on the Schur's Lane stage, and we're playing right before the band Stella Ruse, who are good friends of ours. And hint, hint, there might be a sit-in or two, so you're definitely going to want to check that out. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're only a month away from our new album being released on May 3rd, so if you haven't pre-ordered your copy, go to our website and do that right now. It's going to be available on vinyl, CD, and digital download, and the digital downloads will be available for pre-order on iTunes very soon. You can pre-order your copy at our website, www.hambonerelay.com. Thank you so much for listening to Dude. Check this out. Once again, if you want to learn more about Hambone Relay, please go to our website, hambonerelay.com, or go to iTunes to check out our records, or Spotify, which is where these playlists will be located for these episodes. And don't listen to the haters, man. There's plenty of good music out there. You just have to keep looking. See y'all later.